Boker Tov. We are now picking up at the next Mishnah, which is really Mishnah Gimel. Ezohi uh, Ir Gedola. In the Mishnah Aleph, we define the difference, between, we pointed out the implications of the difference between an Ir Gedola and a Kfar, that an Ir Gedola always reads on the 14th, and a Kfar uh, can go back to the, uh, the residents of a Kfar can go back to as far back as the 11th, depending on market day. So what's the definition? It has 10 batlanim, and the Gemara will immediately explain what those are. If you have less than that, that's a village. Now, in the case of Purim, we said that you, uh, then when you can't do it on the right day, you push it ahead, you move it ahead, and you read early. Alright? The following things are pushed ahead. If the day, as we saw in, in Masachat Tanit, the different families uh, had uh, their day of bringing Eitzim. Uh, if one of those days came out on Shabbat, so they couldn't bring it, the mitzvot of and Hakel, the mitzvah of coming in the Sukkot of the post-Shemitah year, uh, etc., in every one of those cases, if it falls out on Shabbat, then we postpone it till Sunday. And we'll see why. So this goes back now to Megillah. Even though we said that you put, that you uh, read Megillah early, nonetheless, on the 11th or 12th or 13th, whatever day it is, you're allowed to have Hespet V'tanit. In other words, the day does not become a day of Purim with all of the characteristics of the day of Megillah Tanit. But rather, you're allowed to have eulogies and, uh, and fasting. Um, and Matanot of Yudim are given out that day. Rabbi Yehuda famously says that this, um, that the ruling of reading early in the villages only applies where the market day is Monday and Thursday, but if the market day is not Monday and Thursday, then it's only read in the proper time. Good, so the first thing the Gemara wants to deal with is the definition of Batlanim, Tana Asura Batlanim, Shibbet In other words, these are not just ten uh, people out of work. It means ten people are supported by the community to stay in the Beit Knesset all day, see to the community's needs, fast, etc., and to dive into the community. Now, and so, uh, in our case, uh, we said that the Megillah has to be read early. Uh, we saw back on Daftar Amur Aleph, the Pasuk Veloyavor in the Megillah is understood midrashically, midrash halachically, to refer not to the fact that it will never be annulled, but rather that it should never pass the 15th. How do you know that in a document you don't count days of a year? You don't say in the four, in the 232nd day of this year. Um, how do you know that that's the case? That you only reckon months to the year, meaning the eighth month or whatever. Pasuk one on the page, months of the year. And so the, the Torah is defining for you that you always use the unit immediately lower in the hierarchy than the one you're referring to. Right? So if it's months of the year. And we have a parallel statement. We have another statement in the name of Rabbi Abba. 
So if you're writing a document, you don't say in, in uh, this hour of this month, right? Pasuk number two, parallel statement indicating that you always count or reckon by the unit that is one level lower than the one that you are considering. Good. Now let's go to the issues that are the, the items that are that are pushed off. Why do we push Tisha B'Av off? It's simple. We don't want to hasten a day of punishment, a day of sadness, so we push it off. If the Yantav starts on a Shabbos, you can't bring your carbon Chagiga on Thursday or Friday, the Chiyuv hasn't happened yet. We have a, a statement that's sort of appended to our Mishnah, which is Chagiga and all the time of Chagiga is pushed off. So let's see what that means. So Chagiga itself, I understand, if it falls on Shabbos, you push it off. What does that mean? So Rashi interprets this in a difficult way. He says that means Chagiga, which refers to the Korban Chagiga, and the and Zman Chagiga refers to the Olat Re'iyah, the other Korban that's brought that's an Ola, even a Yontif is, is pushed off, which means that you have to wait until Cholamoy, a day that is not Shabbat and not Yom Tov, to bring that Korban. Now, the problem is that Mani Beit Shemayhi, that follows Beit Shemayhi's opinion that we saw in Masachet Beit Sad, that no, Beit Shemayhi, Vim Shlomim Yom Tov, the Chama says you can only bring Shlamim on Yom Tov, and you can't do Smich on them, and you can't bring Korban Ola at all. Which means you can't bring the Ola on Yom Tov. So you bring both kinds of Korbanot and do Smich on them. And we analyzed that when we studied Masachet Beitzah. So it's a little bit difficult to, to say, unless you want to say that that particular opinion was reflecting Beit Shammai. Rav Amar, Rav wants to make it more normative. Chagiga means Kozman Chagiga Ma'achri. In other words, he ties the two together. Chagiga can be put off during the entire time of Chagiga. Tfeilo, meaning only that amount of time. You don't say, well, since the <coughs> first day of Yotif was Shabbos, I'll get myself another eight days. No, you have the entire Yotif and no more. Somebody who did not bring the Korban Chagiga on the first day, can celebrate all the way through Shemini Yatserah. Once he did not bring the korban by Shmini Yatzeret, then there is no more obligation, meaning he blew it. He has a third interpretation. Rashi has a different take. He said, Chosman Chagiga is there to include Shavuot, which the holiday is only one day, and nonetheless you get seven days for the korban. That in spite of the dispute with the with the tzedukim about uh, establishing Shavuot only on a Sunday, we agree that if Shavuot comes out on a Shabbat, the korban is brought on Sunday. In other words, you do have days after the Yontif, you have a full seven days. Good. Now, we have a story about Rebbe, which is going to lead us into a discussion about the issue of Malacha and Purim. Amar Balazar Ramchanina. Rebbe Natanati Purim. Rebbe planted a tree. Perhaps planted a lot of trees on one Purim. And he bathed in the bathhouse during the market day 
in Tzipori on the 17th of Tammuz. Uh, and he wanted to cancel Tisha Dulo. And the Chachamim were not moted to him, and we assume that this is about all three of them, but not necessarily so. Um, so Rabbi Abba Barzavda responded to this testimony. He says, Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar, lo yamasa. That's not how it happened. That year, Tisha fell on Shabbos. We pushed it off till Sunday. What did Rabbi say? Since it's been pushed off, so we won't have it at all. So indeed, the Chachamim only on the last point didn't agree with him. So Rabbi Elazar said, meaning you and I together have reconstituted the story far better than what I was able to do alone. The Pasuk, of course, the famous Pasuk in Kohelet, which is verse number three on the page. Now, the main issue we want to deal with is Malachan Purik. For Rabbi, how could he do such a thing? Take a look at the Pasuk. That's how the Jews celebrated Purim the first year. Simcha means malamed shasur behespeh. You're not allowed to have a eulogy. Mishteh, what does that mean? Malamed shasur betani. You have to eat and drink. You can't fast. The yomto, what does that mean? Malamed shasur basiat malacha. You're not allowed to work. Now, this doesn't not mean malacha in the technical Shabbat yomto of 39 malachot sense. That means you're not allowed to work. Ella, so how did how could Rebbe do it? Rebbe bar beisar havi. Rebbe was living in a town which celebrated Purim on the 14th. Chinata v'chameisar nata. He planted a tree on the 15th. Rebbe lived in Tveria at the time of this case. And Tveria is a walled city from the time of Yoshua. We're going to look into Tveria in a few moments in greater detail. But for right now, we'll take that as an assumption. Ella, uh, we have to fix it. Rebbe bar chamei Good, so we just turned it around. Rebbe was a 15th man. Chinata bar He planted on the 14th. So, wait a second, are we so sure that Tveria really is a walled city going back to Yeshua's time? Cheskia would read on both days in Tveria because he had a doubt as to whether this city is a walled city. So the answer that we give right now is the Cheskia Masafka and the Rabbi in other words, Cheskia was in doubt, and we'll see what the source of that doubt was in a little bit. Rebbe took it as a given that it was a walled city from the time of Yoshua, read on the 15th, planted a tree on the 14th. But wait a second. If Rebbe lives in a town where some rabbis think today may be poor, and he thinks today is not poor, it's only tomorrow, since when are you allowed to do that? And even if, even if everybody's sure, that the that today that this is a fifteenth town. The Megillah Tanit says that the fourteenth and fifteenth of Adar, the days of Purim, the Lamis Pedron, they're not allowed to have eulogies. The reason it mentions those days the way it does is to say even somebody who's celebrating on the fourteenth cannot have eulogies or fast on the fifteenth and vice versa. So the answer we give is Hanimilibasbitanit. That that only applies to eulogies and fasting. That you're not allowed to do on either the 14th or 15th, regardless of where you live. Malacha, Yomachad Vitulo. Malacha is only the one day that you're really celebrating. You can't ask Am Yisrael to give up Malacha for two days in a row. Uh, it's, uh, it's an unreasonable demand. So, Aini, Varav Chazi, Lo Gavra, Nevi Kashadi, Kitna, Bepuraya. 
Rav saw a fellow who was planting cotton on Purim, and he cursed him and nothing grew. So how to bar Yomahavi? The answer is that guy was doing it on his day. It was the 14th in an unwalled city. Rav says, you know what? Even if Rebbe had planted the tree on the day we're celebrating Purim. Hesped v'tani kabilu alayu, melacha lo kabilu alayu. Am Yisrael only accepted the prohibitions of eulogies and fasting, and was celebrating. They never accepted the prohibition of melacha, and what's the proof? In verse number four on the page, it says, That's what the Jews actually did. What does it say in verse five, which was the ordinance of the multi-generational? But it does not say Yom Tov. So in other words, there is no prohibition of Malachan Yom Tov. And so Rebbe was in, certainly in, a, in fine shape planting a tree. So why did Rav curse the guy who planted flax on uh, on Purim? The answer is there were some places that had a minig not to do Malachan Purim. In that city where the guy planted, there was a meaning not to do it. And therefore, you're not allowed to publicly act leniently in a place where the people have accepted a stricture. In other words, it's something that's technically mutar, but everybody in town treats it as an iser. You're not allowed to publicly flaunt it and act differently. And that's why Rav cursed him. So Rav didn't really curse him for the iser malacha much more <coughs> as much as for his violating the social norm. And in Rebbe's town, they didn't have such a custom. They didn't have a prohibition of Malacha. We have another way out, which is to say, even in Rebbe's town, there may have been a prohibition of Malacha. But in Rebbe, perhaps, was planting not just a regular tree for to bear fruit or whatever, but rather in Tiyashal Simcha, some sort of a happy sapling, if you will. Can it not, as we had in Ta'anit, the Mishnah said, that after all the fasts, if they still don't have rain, then they start diminishing their business, and uh, and they don't plant, they don't get married, etc. And we talked about planting. In other words, it doesn't mean you have to stop building buildings, it doesn't mean you have to stop planting plants that you need for your livelihood. How the fuck you need that? It means you can't build things that are festive. What's a binyan livno? To build a wedding hall, a wedding house for your son. Or a house for your son to live in when he gets married. What's a festive planting? Some sort of a gazebo, a festive place for people to sit outside in the garden. So perhaps, just as we see that although regular binyan is mutar, when you're when there's a, uh, the Tatnith case, nonetheless, binyan shal simcha is like a different kind of thing. Tiyashal simcha is a different sort of thing. Here, sort of invertedly, on, on Purim, even if there's an Isur Malacha, that only applies to things you're doing for mundane work, but not for a festive sort of uh, feeling which accompanies planting such a plant. Gufa. Now go back to Tveria. Chlenski Akar Tveria Ba'abesa Ubuchamesa. He read on both days. He had a doubt whether it was Mukaf. Since when is the history of Tveria? Subject to any doubt. We have a pasuk in Yehoshua. These are Areni Tzar. These are walled cities. And this is in Parak Yud Tet, mentioned among the cities of Yisachar. 
And we have a tradition that reckon, and that pasuk is Tveria. So this is the reason he had the doubt. One of the walls of the city was a seawall. So if that's the case, it's certainly not a walled city. In the definition of a batere choma in halacha, and for, for Kedushat Arim, we say, So in other words, a city that has a seawall is not considered a walled city. So the answer is, Chezkiah was perfectly clear that Feria did not have a deen of Bateri of, of Arichoma, because the city seawall doesn't count. As he said, the parameters don't necessarily overlap between, or not necessarily the same, between Bateri Choma or Arichoma and Mikramigilah. His question is, how do we define an unwalled or walled city from Mikramigilah? Is because these are exposed and these are not exposed? And this one is exposed, because you can see it from the other side of the sea. Or is it perhaps these are protected and these are not protected? And this city is protected, so it should be considered a walled city. Because of that doubt, you would read on both things. Good. As a footnote to this, Rav Asi read in Hutzal, which is a Babylonian town, on the 14th and 15th, for the same reason. It was unclear about whether or not it was uh, dated to the time of Yoshua. Ikeda Amar, Amar Vasi, we have a different version. Hai Hutzal, the Veit Binyamin. The Hutzal in Binyamin's town, in Binyamin's area, which means this now is in Eretz Israel. And He didn't have a doubt. He said this is, is indeed a town that was surrounded by a wall from the time <coughs> of Yoshua Binyamin. Good. Okay. When I was a young kid, a young goat, literally, I had a question that I asked to the old, the elders. And it turned out that I was right. I said, Hamat, remember we had the Pasuk earlier with the different cities in Yeshua, Hamat Zotveria. Hamat is Tveria, not Rakat, but Hamat is Tveria. Why is it called Hamat? Because of the hot springs. Rakat Zutzipori. And the town of Rakat that you thought was Tveria is really Sepphoris. Rakat, why is it called that? Mishum de Medalia Karakta de Nahara. It's high up uh, in the hills. It sits uh, it sits alone, um, like uh, like the banks of a river. Um, Kineret, what's Kineret, which is mentioned there? Zoginosar, the town of Ginosar. Kineret, the Metiki Perakakalachinari. That the fruit there is so sweet, they're sweet as the sounds of a harp. Wait a second, you're telling me Hamat is Tveria and Reket is Tipori? Is there anybody who challenges what we said earlier that Reket is Tveria? When somebody would die here in Bavel, then Eretz Israel, the eulogy they would say would be as follows. He's great in Bavel. And he has a name in Reket. And, and the big town in those days in Eretz Yisrael, in the north, was Tveria. When the Aron comes there to bury in Eretz Yisrael, this is what they would say, come out 
<coughs> those of you who live in Rakat, and receive those who died in the valley in Mesopotamia. So we see that everybody agrees that Rakat is Tveria. Kinach Nafshid Rabbi Zera, Rabbi Zera had made Aliyah, very famous story about that. When he died, Patach Aleya a particular professional mourner got up and said, Eretz Shinar Haravialda, the Bavel uh, conceived and gave birth to him, Eretz Tzvi Gidla Vishashua, the land of Eretz Israel, Eretz Tzvi, raised him. Oinala Amra Rakat Ki Avdakwechamdata Rakat says, Woe to me that I've lost. By precious jewels. In other words, again, Reket being Tveria, which was the main rabbinic center at the time. <clears throat> so Rava says, we have to fix what Rabbi Yochanan said. Chamat is not Tveria. Chamat is Chamei Gerar, another hot springs. Reket's with Tveria. Kineret Zukin and Ginosar, like we said. So why is Tveria called Rakat? Shafilu Rekanin Shabam Leim Mitzvot Kerimon. Why is Tveria called Rakat? This is a drasha in the name of the town. That the Rekanim who live there, the empty ones, are still filled with mitzvot like a remote. They live in the great rabbinic city of Tveria. He says the real name of the town is Rakat. And so why is it called Tveria? Of course, we know historically it's named after Caesar Tiberius. <clears throat> it sits at the Omphalos, at the center of Eretz Israel. He says, it's really called Rakat. Why do we call it Tveria? Because Tovari Iata. It's very beautiful to look at. All right, different drashot on the name of the town. We continue with the uh, investigation into different issues of geography in the north. Amar Ze'era, Kitron Zutsipori. Kitron, which is mentioned in the uh, inheritance of, I believe it is, in the inheritance of Zebulun. Is Tsipori. Why is the town called Tsipori? Why does it have a second name? It sits on top of a mountain like a bird. Is that true? Kitron was in Zvulun's territory. Right. And according to the Midrash, Zvulun complained about the territory he got. Now the text is breaking this up midrashically, not where the Tamei Amikra break it up. This is in Shirat Zvorat. Zvulun am cheref nafshol amut v'naftali. Meaning Zvulun and Naftali put their life in their hands to fight. Amro meisadet on the high fields. But the way we break it up, the way it's graphically broken up in the Shira, Zvulun am cheref nafshol amut. They were very upset, ready to die. Naftali amro meisadet. Meaning, Amar Zvulun lefina kodesh baruch hu yivonu shalom. You gave my my brother, Naftali, fields and vineyards, and me you gave mountains and hillocks. So you gave them lands, and me you gave the sea. And so Hashem's answer was, Everybody's going to need you because they're going to need the mollusk, the chalazon, to make the tchelet. The kind of glass. Alright, so in other words, Vulun is going to be needed by everyone. Amar therefore, will be able to make good, do good business. So who's going to tell me? Maybe the people go steal them. Amar This is in Moshe's Brachat in Zvulun. Anybody who takes that item from the sea 
and doesn't pay you properly for it will never get any benefit from it. There's tzedek involved in your nachala. So if you're going to tell me that kitron, is, which is Zvulun, supposedly is unhappy with getting, is Tzipori, then why is uh, Zvulun so unhappy? Tzipori's got something much better, which is uh, all the fruit that's there. If you tell me that there aren't Tzipori, I saw the bountiful fruit of Tzipori, and Shisha Samil, Shisha Samil, it was 16 mil squared. Do you think it's not as much as his brother got? In other words, I saw the the bounty of Eretz Yisrael, and it was a certain measure, but it's certainly the the part of Tzipori is more than one twelfth in that measure, and so certainly Zvulun got more than his share. So what's he complaining about? The answer is Nonetheless, he'd rather have fields. Because Tzipori is, of course, a mountain. Because according to the Midrash, the complaint was that Naftali has the field. Good. Amar Biyavau. He takes a pasuk that we have, which is pasuk number um, number 11 on the page from the book of Tzfanya. The Akron Te'aker. Akron, which is a famous Philistine city, will be uprooted. Zuke Sari Batadom. He says this is a reference to Caesarea. Sheyashev ben Acholot. It sits in the sands. Vehi Aitai Yatet Kual Yisrael Meivanim. Said during the Greek times it was already a troublesome, troublesome place. Shkavra Machut Ben Chachvanim Nitzchum. When the the Hasbulians won, Kriyota Achidat Migdal Shir. That's what they called it. Ve'osim Rachadim Amaydef Tiv Asirotit Amav Yipirish Yikutzam Ben Shinam Yishargam Hule Loheinu. This is a prophecy of the end of days. Vasirotit Amav Yipiv. I'll take the blood out of his mouth, Zebek Bam Yishalem. That refers to their, to their um, idolatrous places. Kutsam Ben Shinav, the disgusting thing from his mouth, Zebek Gal Yishalem. These are sort of ridiculing terms about the Rabbi Nazar. Shagam Hula Elohim, what's that? Elo Batekinesu, Atimid Roshod, Shebe Edom. This refers to the Batekinesu, Batemed, Shebe Edom, those will remain. Ayaka, Aluf, Yudav, Ekron, Kiyusi, Elo Tretziot, Kerseot, Shebe Edom. So these things, the the coliseums, etc., they have an adom, and the circuses, the fairs, they have shatidin, sarei adom, and ben torah rabim. Ultimately, they won't be destroyed; they will be used for public teaching of Torah. I mean, it's like leshem zupamias, leshem, which is the town that the tribe of Dan conquered and then changed the name to Dan, is pamias. All right, ekron te'aker zukesar v'atadom. We had shehi atam metropolin shemalachim. It was a Royal metropolis. Either means that there were a lot of kings there, or that they would raise the king from there. Kesar um, Yishalayim, uh, very important principle. Caesarea and Jerusalem. If somebody tells you they're both desolate, Altame, don't believe. Yashvushtehen, if somebody tells you they're both settled, Altame, don't believe. But if somebody tells you that one of them is desolate, one of them is standing, then believe them. There always has to be one of them, and only one of them, in uh, at strength. I will fill the desolate one. Meaning, 
If this one is filled, this one is empty, etc. And vice versa. He takes it to a different point, which is the prophecy given to Rivka about her two sons, which midrashically Esav has turned into Rome. And therefore, uh, one will outpower the other, overpower the other, meaning the Yaakov or Esav will always be at strength. One of them, but only one of them. So that's Caesarea or Yishalayim. <coughs> that the uh, the Rasha should be given some grace. I'm not talking about Give Esav a break. Amarlo Rasha, he said he's a Rasha. Follow the pasuk Yuchan Rasha. Amarlo Balamet Sedek, I can't say anything nice about him. Amarlo Be'eretz the Chochot Yavel, he's going to create lots of problems in the land. Well, Im came Balyer Eginiot so he shouldn't see any of God's power. So he's taking the pasuk and chopping it up and darshing it as Yitzchak talking about Hashem Baresa. Every Yitzchak might have to altitate the Adonai of Yeh Rashaz Mamor Tafekir Musela. The in the in the in the plate do not give let the uh, let the evil one uh, gain his terrible desire. Don't let Esav have what he wants. So Mamor Tafek, don't take away his uh, don't allow him to carry out his his terrible plan. What's that? Uh, some actually translate this into uh, as uh, either Rome or Germany. Some suggest midrashically, probably Rome. If they could really get out into the world, they would destroy the whole world. They have 300 um, um, people who um, uh, sort of princes in a, in Adom. Tlatmiya v'shitin v'chamishan mozavni ikabaromi, and there are 365 marketplaces in. Um, uh, sorry, 365 uh, ministers in Rome. Uvachal yom anafki hanu va'apei hanu maktochad minayu, and then they have a battle every day between them, and they kill one or the other. Then they have a problem trying to get the new king. This is Chazal making fun of the way that the Romans would battle each other, etc. Very famous adage. If a person tells you, I've tried learning and I'm not succeeding, I've tried to get any answer and I haven't found it, don't believe him. If he tells you, on the other hand, I got it without it trying, don't believe him. If he says, I tried and I got it, please believe him. That's only B'divir Torah. But if we're talking about business, that already needs Siyat HaDishmaya. You can try very hard, if Hashem doesn't help you, and conversely, you could not try hard, and if Hashem helps you, you'll succeed. And in Divir Torah, it's only for sharpening your understanding of Allah Ukme Girsa, in order to have the Halakha follow your position, Siyat HaDishmaya. That's Siyat HaDishmaya. Well, if you see a rasha that things are going his way, don't mess with him. Don't compete with the evil ones. And by the way, he will be he will succeed more. His, his path continues at all times. And if you try to take him to court, he'll win. His his court his mishpat is very high. Not only that, but he'll be, see his enemies, which might be you, suffering. 
Aini, is that really true that you shouldn't mess with the Rasha just because things are going his way? You're allowed to to provoke Rishayim in this world. Pasuk clearly says those who keep the Torah will provoke those who are Rishayim. You're allowed to provoke Rishayim in this world. Somebody whispers this Pasuk to you. Don't compete with the rain. You answer, It's only somebody who himself has doubts about his own piety, says this. Don't compete with them. Doesn't mean don't don't challenge them, but rather, Don't compete to try to be like them. Don't be jealous, meaning to be like them. Don't be jealous of sinners, rather, the fear of Hashem all day. So the answer is, if it has something to do with your relationship with him and some financial issue, then you better let him go, because things are going his way. If, on the other hand, it's mila deshmaya, meaning it has something to do with the sake of heaven, the fellow is broadcasting heretical views, take him on. It could be that both answers refer to personal things that are between the two of you. And it depends on who you are. If you're a tzaddik amor, you could take him on. If not, not. He quotes the pasuk. Why are you traitors? Why do you look? And you're silent. When the rasha swallows up one more innocent than him. What's the drasha? He can only swallow up somebody who's greater than him, but not a tzaddik amor. Or the other possibility is that when things are really going his way, in every case you've got to leave him alone, let that play out, and then there will be the time to take him down. <coughs> the last piece we have is a little story about Rome. is a This is the big city of Rome. Three hundred parsang squared. Three hundred sixty-five marketplaces, parallel to the solar calendar. The smallest one is the chicken uh, market. It's sixteen mil squared. So that's the smallest of three hundred sixty-five markets. And the king eats every day uh, in one of the markets. And anybody who lives there in that section, even if he wasn't born there. He gets a portion of what the king has. Or somebody who was born there, even if he's not there anymore. He also gets a reward or a piece from the king. There's 3,000 uh, bathhouses there. And they put out smoke from these bathhouses outside of the city. One side of the city is the sea. The other side is mountains. One is an iron curtain, as it were. And the other side is um, is rocks and uh, and mud, etc. In other words, it's an impregnable city with all of these fantastic things happening in it every day and uh, in, in, in this huge, huge uh, set of marketplaces where the king eats every day in a different marketplace and uh, shares with anybody who had anything to do with that marketplace in their life. Everybody should have a wonderful day. Tomorrow we will pick up 
at the next Mishnah as we begin the series of Mishnayot known as Ein Bein.